Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I'm at Wild Roots Farm in Livingston Manor, New York. This is their springtime meet the lambs and also an educational gathering about what the Gillingham family is doing on their family farm. Emma Yakimovich. Hi, Emma. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you. So you were just holding a baby lamb. Can you share with us why you're here at Wild Roots Farm? Well, I came for the baby lambs, so this is great for me. I'm having a blast. They're definitely got their own personalities. There's one, this one's name is Lambda, and he's kind of crazy. Um, and then I'm not sure what her name is, but she's chill. I like her. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm just soaking it in. Thank you so much. Emily Miller. Hi, Emily. You are also holding a baby lamb. We're in the pasture with them. We can hear them, and there's lots of mamas and babies. Yes. It's so lovely here. It's so beautiful. Um, the reason we're here, actually, is because our friend Kira over there, she's a huge environmentalist. She's um, She works in this club, NYPIRG, which is all about environmental action. And she and Iris were talking, and this is a farm run completely on solar power, I'm pretty sure, which is so amazing. So we've come for the tour to hear about it because what they're doing here is so cool. And to see the baby lambs, obviously. <laughs> and they're really sweet. They're cream-colored with brown splotches, and they're black, and they're merle, and they're gathered all around us. Uh, what's your name? Hi, I'm Eve Marks. Hi, Eve. And what brings you here? So I'm here because I met Iris at the scoping hearing in Binghamton, and she was talking about the farm and regenerative agriculture in general. And I'm an NVI student, so I'm really interested in those kind of things, and I'm learning about them in my studies, and I wanted to see it in practice. Hi. Hi. Um, my name's Kira O'Brien. Hi, Kira. So your name was mentioned. What brings you here? And it seems that you've actually brought some of your friends here. Why? Yeah, so I brought a few of my friends here today. I was telling them about the farm. I had connected with Iris a few weeks ago um, at the scoping hearing that um, Eve had mentioned. Um, Can you tell us about that? Yeah, of course. So it was a, a draft climate plan that was talking about um, transitioning away from New York State's energy supply, away from fossil fuels, and reinvesting in more sustainable energy. Um, so that's a huge thing for New York State, and we could be leaders in the transition away from fossil fuels. And Iris gave a really empowering speech um, about how she grew up on this farm, this regenerative farm, and the emphasis they placed on renewable energy. And she was really emphasizing that like it can be done. We can live off of solar um, and hydropower. Um, and that like this is obviously an example of that. So we were super excited to get a tour of the farm today and meet some baby lambs. So can you describe where you're sitting, what you're looking at? Yeah, so this is a beautiful sunny day. We're sitting in a field <laughs> with a bunch of baby lambs and some older lambs also. Um, we're sitting and they're super friendly and social. They're coming up to us. We're petting them. They're jumping in our laps. 
Um, beautiful site of like the home and the tractors and some of the um, agriculture around here and some other animals. And it's just such a beautiful sight to see it be. That is such a funny feeling. <laughs> the licking, right? The I know. little snow. Yeah, <laughs> Um, my name's Stacy Kim. I'm from Manhattan, and I'm just visiting Binghamton for the weekend. And so you're here from Binghamton. You're downstate about 90 miles. So what brought you to this event? Um, I'm a good friend of Kira's, um, and she's really passionate about um, environmental action. And, um, yeah, I just I don't get many opportunities to see farms and learn about um, agriculture and whatnot. So this is a great opportunity for me to get out of the city and see some animals and yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, I'm Iris Van Gillingham and I'm 22 years old from Wild Roots Farm. And Iris, we are at Wild Roots Farm, the place you were born and grew up. I'm wondering if you can share with us why we all gathered here today. I mean, we know the lambs were a, a big enticement, a big draw, and it was just so great to hold the little babies. Um, but about this first event of the season? Yes, so today was our Meet Baby Lambs on May Day event, and it was kind of the kickoff of our events for this year. And I'm really excited because I am just finished up college and I'm really getting into doing programs on the farm and working with introducing people to their food, to the environment, to regenerative agriculture practices. And I'm really, I've been excited to have people here and share this place with them. So we had this open event today for free to, for people to just meet the lambs, learn about foraging, and get a kind of gist of why we're here and why we want to contribute to the local community. And I started my visit here today, Iris, holding some of those baby lambs and seeing a pasture full of people doing the same and sitting down with them and their mothers. And 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 then, of course, the, the program itself. I had some burdock tea. You have nettle tea here. What is the, the vision that you have because you grew up here on this farm. You've been a youth climate activist from the time you were quite small. And I'm just wondering how this is evolving for you now that you've just graduated college. Since being a young person out in the world doing climate activism, one of the things that has kept me really grounded and passionate about my work is growing up and living on a farm and having the relationship that I have with my animals, with the food that I'm eating, with this land here that my grandparents you know, started the garden here. And so I feel like coming back home now, especially post-COVID, I really want to, or especially during COVID, <laughs> I really want to share what I have learned and come to value with other people in our community who want to strengthen that relationship with fiber arts, with their food, and with their local community. And I'm working right now to kind of to connect more with the community, to create a space here that people can meet each other, learn together, um, and share their passions and interest in sustainability and farming and kind of changing the focus in our society. Um, 
especially when it comes to agriculture, focusing back on, you know, our living within our own ecosystem, eating food that we're connected to, knowing our local farmer. And that is such an incredible part of Sullivan County as we do have these farms here. And how do we support farmers? How do we do that kind of relationship building that is necessary to eating delicious food and knowing where it comes from? And also what was so uh, revelatory for me today during your presentation and that of, of your mom, Amy, and your dad, Wes, is how you talked about the specificity of this location, of every location, and that it really isn't kind of this general idea, but that you're interested in getting very specific with each person about what can be done. One of the things that I really started to realize when I went to college and was studying food systems and was traveling around the country, you know, meeting farm workers in Washington state, and I really just started to understand that within our society, we peg agriculture as a one-size-fits-all, and that is the farthest from the truth because it is it comes down to the land that you're working with, Uh, how much rain you have, the type of soil you have, the rocks in your garden, you know, it comes down to your local community. And so creating, you know, real resilient food systems within localized ecologies is so, so important when we're talking about a changing climate and we're talking about food security. Because we saw with the pandemic that, you know, that grocery stores shelves were empty and uh, people were turning to their farmers. So it is something that I care a lot about, which is making sure that we are actually looking at changing our food systems, changing how we eat in a way that is sustainable for people, for the farmers, and for the planet. So with the events that you're going to be holding here at Wild Roots Farm, and this was the opening uh, spring season, May Day, um, you have immersion programs. So what are some of the things people do? Like what kind of immersion is that? The immersion programs are really unique in that they're a more in-depth experience on the farm. So a lot of people can come here for a day program, but there's a lot of little things that is incredibly valuable to experience by being here for more than just a day. And so we developed the immersions to introduce folks to foraging, to for them to learn more about fiber arts, to develop a relationship with the sheep, learn a little bit about how to hand spin, and then take that wool home so that they can actually knit a hat out of it or something that is, you know, seeing that whole process. So the farm immersions are designed for like a week. People come and they have a certain amount of freedom to use the farm as inspiration for their own, to do their own artwork, stay in a little off-grid cabin, journal, and then once a day or so we'll have an activity, like we'll do um, working with the animals, learning about planting in the garden one morning, or developing a relationship with natural foods that they can find in their backyard, um, having a fireside and music night, and learning about Catskill music and eating delicious food from the garden, you know, just having that space to 
have some facilitated experiences and having their own um, experiences here. So Iris, thank you for for talking about that, sharing that with us. You also have mentioned your interest in working with young people, and there are quite a few college students here today for this event who came because they met you or heard of you, were inspired uh, by what you said recently at a scoping hearing. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that, kind of your commitment to working with your peer group, with young, young people. And so that's one question. I also want to know what kind of sheep are these beauties uh, right behind us? And when you're talking about foraging food, what are some of the forage foods that are available right now? Yeah, so we have Icelandic sheep, which have incredible fiber for felting and hand spinning. And we have Shetland sheep, which also have incredible fiber and are the most enjoyable, sweet little jumping lambs. Um, So we have two breeds of sheep. And some of the foraging, so some of the foraging that we talked about today was in regards to things that you can find right in your backyard, like dandelion greens and harvesting them early in the spring when they're tender and not as bitter and really being able to you can make teas with the roots and use the leaves in your salads or add them to your omelet and that's something that's right in our back door and we also talked about burdock we talked about nettles because the nettles are coming up right now And so we made some nettle tea for everyone to try. My mom made some nettle focaccia bread, which was delicious. And so foraging and exploring wild foods and really developing that relationship with the things that are right in our backyard are a couple of the things we talked about today. And also young people, right, working with your peer group. So what is that commitment you have? Because there were so many college students that were here today. Today, it was amazing because we had some college students that had seen me speak at uh, Binghamton when I was uh, testifying in front of the Climate Action Council. Can you talk about that? What, what were you doing there in Binghamton? Yes. So the Climate Action Council released their draft scoping plan around how to transition New York State. And one of the things that was... The Climate Action Council developed their draft scoping plan, and there was there's a comment period that is around until June, beginning of June, I believe. So you can still submit your comments. Um, but we went to Binghamton to talk to them about making sure that we are, well, for me, what I testified was around making sure that we're supporting farmers and agriculture because land use and how we work with the land is going to be a huge part of mitigating and transitioning with climate change. And if we want to create communities that are self-sufficient and able to work through challenges that will be coming with climate change and transformations within our society, we need to make sure we're supporting farmers and encouraging more regenerative and sustainable land practices. And I also spoke to them about, you know, on top of that, avoiding false solutions, like just offsetting. um, And actually, that puts the burdens on farmers and land workers. So 
Thank you. So we will have more information and events up on our website, which is www.growwildroots.com. And we're on Instagram, at Grow Wild Roots. And our farm name is Wild Roots Farm. So you can look us up, follow our baby lambs. And uh, we will be doing some programs coming up this summer. We hope to have more people join us. Today was full and it was an incredible event to have all of these wonderful people here. I loved meeting them. And I'm hoping to meet more people on the farm and share this place with others. Thank you so much, Iris, and I can't wait to return. Always a pleasure to be here at Wild Roots Farm with you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to see you again and to share this beautiful day full of lambs with you. Thank you. I've been speaking with Iris Gillingham from Wild Roots Farm. Hi, my name is uh, Nicole Crasimano. I'm with Our Climate. Uh, we are a national nonprofit that empowers young people to advocate for science-based, equitable, and intersectional climate justice policies. And we have a program in New York State, which I used to lead, and we're part of the New Yorker News, which is how I know Iris. Uh, and we had worked on some campaigns together. So now I'm here with my family to up in the area for the weekend and was excited to see that uh, Iris was hosting this event. My name's Jennifer. Hi Jennifer. So here we are, Wild Roots Farm in Livingston Manor, New York and Sullivan County. We're in a pasture on a beautiful spring day surrounded by mama and baby lambs and this is part of a, an event with Wild Roots. What brought you here? We just love lambs and wanted to get closer to them and see what they're really like, especially as babies. So what do you think? It's amazing. <laughs> So describe some of these little babies that are surrounding us. They're extremely friendly, friendlier than I thought they would be. And um, they are actually kind of look like pets. Or They just are walking around with curly hair and extremely curious and very interested in what we're here for. Die boy. Hi, Die. So here we are at Wild Roots Farm, and uh, people are getting locally made teas, dandelion, burdock. I forget what the other one was, and Iris and Amy Gillingham are going to give a presentation. Mm-hmm. What brings you here? I saw on Instagram that about uh, the limes, so that's why I'm here. I'm here to meet the limes. So how was, how, how's that going, meeting the lambs? Not so well, they're just running away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're going to go back in there with them soon, so you've got another chance. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> And what's your impression being here on the farm where Iris grew up? Oh, it's amazing. I uh, didn't expect to see how they could like, live on their own without, like, they have all the animals, all the plants. they like, a part of the environment now. Like, uh, it's amazing. Hi, I'm Amy Gillingham from Wild Roots Farm. Um, carrots, beets, radishes. And even like things like leeks and Brussels sprouts, like sometimes I'll harvest the Brussels sprouts, you know, around December when it gets cold and then they keep in there for another month or two, you know, or collard greens sometimes for a couple months. So that is like energy free. That's what I mean by like, how do we not just say, well, how do we have alternative energy? How do we be a little bit more, a lot more creative with what we really need? So yeah, I don't eat a lot of fresh tomatoes in January and February. It's just not part of the diet here but we have canned tomatoes we have dried tomatoes from the oven fire roasted dried tomatoes and there are people who do a lot of hoop house stuff but I would never heat something like that in the winter because I'm too lazy I don't want to do that I'm already heating my house so I'm gonna let 
things that are hardy grow like mosh i plant mosh in late august and then we ate that all of march you know we had big salads no heat needed just you know there is floating row, row cover remay which is a polyester a woven polyester so there's always a little bit of compromise but so anyway yeah so we do so you can kind of see we we're trying to we used to try to collect the rain and we and now it's just like we're just trying to have drainage out of every um possible thing so we kind of it used to be more um perpendicular beds to hold the water but now we get so much water when it rains we get two three inches at a time so um you know we want it to drain out of there and so um we've kind of changed we're adapting to that and we have in the back there's honeyberries back there i have ragosa roses back there there's also some blueberries i have um currants and gooseberries and that's rhubarb coming up i have a whole berry garden over there that's all gooseberries and currants and some grapes and blueberries and raspberries and so this is kind of the intensive work area, but um, we use a lot of mulch and we use a lot of um, spreading compost. So we did minerals and remineralized. I took soil tests and we spread it with some compost one year. And the next year we kind of topped off the minerals and spread it without the compost and I could see the difference. So just by not adding the compost, I wasn't adding kind of this fresh microbial life to just inoculate the soil in the spring because it just has a rough time getting going after after the winter here yeah no it's just the change in the past five yeah because i mean we've had this garden here since i've been here was, my grandparents had the original garden that was a corner of this and like so my dad has never seen a season as wet as we had last year and he's now his family's been growing various food here for what 60 years you know it, so it's like and other farmers there was a shortage of hay mm. for animals so a lot of the local farms were really concerned about just the quality of the hay mm. um, so it, it's not just us the thing that is hard is that it is a food security so we mm -hmm. had a lot of our vegetables were turning yellow mm. <laughs> just because it was oversaturation so that's why we're we're gonna do a couple more drainage things this year so uh you know it's an evolving process i'm always trying to change it but part of it is because again we're we're growing on land that isn't really farmland and we're dealing with very clay soils with bedrock underneath so i mean it depends on where you are this is what was given to us and so we're doing the best that we can with it but um it's definitely has kept it a little more smaller a little more intensive instead of spread out but there's things it's taught me too um and this is enough this is enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> so we've had about, oh, we've had over 30 interns over the years, um, different interns that have come through and some here, some when we were farming commercially. There's a lot of people who've chosen to stay in the community after interning here and then rotating around to a couple other farms in the area and they connected with the local community and wanted to contribute by going into agriculture or gardening or various things like that so this is the hoop house you can take a look in it so i'm getting ready to plant so you can see the one bed i can open up the other door um i used to have two of these and that was the other one and it collapsed in a snowstorm but um so that was the mosh This was our winter salad, and then this I just planted a few weeks ago. Um, 
This is mosh. This is miner's lettuce of Claytonia. These are super hardy. They'll overwinter. You just cover them with this floating row cover, and then you can eat it all spring, and they're delicious. So good. This is actually my favorite salad green. So it's a pretty simple, you know, the big thing is watering in here. So we pump up from the pond and fill that barrel in the back, or I'll water from the pond. Um, and sometimes we'll put compost tea in the barrel to kind of keep adding to it. And so I just grow pet tomatoes in here in the summer. Um, it's pretty simple. No heat. Um, so if you transplant that, does it spread? This? Yeah. Um, well, no, it's at this point, it's starting to flower. So see those little white flowers over yeah. there? So I'm actually trying to decide whether to just let that go because that's actually, I just let it go last fall and that's how that reseeded itself. So that's part of that don't clean it up entirely thing. Okay. You know, like leave a bed weedy and I'm like, I think I'm just going to leave that patch, let it go, and then I might clear it in a month after the seeds have dropped. And then they'll automatically re-sprout when it's time in September, mm -hmm. start growing roots, and then we'll have more. And then my tomatoes will be, you know, up there. Um, but this is, you know, enough for a family of four for just some spring eating, along with wild stuff. You know, and I, like I said, I don't really sell a whole lot. But, um, and then here's another, this was the other hoop house, so it's just more extended space. And there's, maybe Wes will talk about that. Like, when we moved here, and I'm from Kansas, or Missouri, so I was like, oh, I just like want open space. <laughs> and I've gotten very used to not having the open space and seeing the value, because I was like, can we clear this? So it's a bigger clearing, and it was like, this is such important habitat right here for um, for wildlife, for the birds, for a farm, for whatever land you have to have these edge places. So you'll see up there, we leave edge stuff. We If we cut down trees, like, okay, now let's let this grow up to be edge bushes because it's part of the whole ecosystem. Now there's a lot of stuff happening with pollinators where pollinators are disappearing and um, in commercial agriculture, they're having to truck in bees to pollinate in various states. And so what this kind of habitat does is it is home for pollinators, for birds, for all of the things that we actually really need in agriculture, that if you just cleared all of this out, you'd be like, wait a second, we need those pollinators. We need all of the critters that aid in creating vegetables and the happy you know, lifestyle <laughs> that isn't yeah. just totally clean cut, full of pesticides, you know, like reliant on bring, bringing things back in because we've been destroyed the ecosystem so much. Hi, Wes Gillingham with Wild Roots Farm. I'm here with my wife Amy and my daughter Iris is doing a farm program today. We've had people come here and go, oh my god, why don't you cut that freaking tree down? That, and you know, that tree's been dead for years. Birds love landing on that thing. And you know, whether it's the tree swallows hanging out there or the bluebirds landing there before they eat the cabbage worms over here. Um, and it, they, they love that tree. So I didn't cut it down because there's always, we get hawks and other things landing there sometimes. It's, it's a perfect tree for birds. So it's not hurting anything sitting there and it's a good place to perch and hunt from if you're a bird. So, um, I think it's almost four, but if folks have time, I am just, we're going to walk through the woods and go check out Wilding Village. Um, if you have to go, thank you so much for coming, but if you wanted to go on a little walk in the woods. 
So we will have more information and events up on our website, which is www.growwildroots.com. And we're on Instagram at growwildroots. Growwildroots.com. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels.